Today on the Cineos Health Podcast, I'll be joined by Kathleen Starr and Leah Householder. We'll be talking about why we resist. This is about behavioral change. How do we encourage behavioral change in ourselves and as pharma and healthcare companies in patients? If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. Why we resist behavioral change next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Leah Householder, Kathleen Starr, welcome back to the Cineo Health Podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. The book is Why We Resist. It's available on Amazon. And where else can we get the book? So the book is being distributed by 39,000 partners. So you'll find it at your library on Amazon.com. I hope at your favorite local bookstore. It's important to know that wherever you do get the book at Amazon or one of those tens of thousands of places that you can get the book, that all proceeds will benefit the Star Coalition, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating meaningful change in the field of mental health. Why did you write this book? How did you get together? We actually put together a really interesting team, and I'm so excited to work with Kathleen on it. But what we wanted to do was to team up a behavioral scientist, that's Kathleen Starr, and a healthcare communicator, and that's me, to try to work together to create one clear picture of what we know about behavioral science and then the everyday communication aspect. How can we apply it to working to help more people live healthier lives? How can we help motivate people to change and give them the resilience to try and try again when maybe that healthcare decision doesn't stick? Those are the kinds of questions that our industry and our world are obsessed with. That curiosity, that desire to understand how to help people change is fueled by this just rapid expansion of our understanding of human behavior. And it's driven by all these new insights that are coming to people from both behavioral and social sciences. That new understanding you see all the time. You see it on consumer bookshelves, on your favorite podcasts, and major television programs, whether you're listening to um, Shankar Vedanta on NPR or you're watching Criminal Minds, everyone is obsessed trying to figure out why people do what they do. So we wanted to be able to be part of that, to take all this new knowledge and translate it into action for our healthcare clients. Because today, what we're seeing is that despite this new interest in behavioral science and behavioral knowledge, so many of our organizations and our healthcare colleagues continue to communicate healthcare information in ways that are outdated and maybe unexamined. So how can we take this forward? How can we help our healthcare colleagues use this knowledge to do healthcare communications differently? What we realized, and Kathleen will talk a lot about this, is that behavioral science is, at its core, science, you know? It's big, it's complex, it's interconnected. And the way that we receive it is a drop at a time, bit by bit. You see a headline here, a presentation there. But very few of our professional colleagues have the opportunity to have a comprehensive view of what we know about how to motivate people, how to create change. That's where the inspiration for the book came from. If I'm thinking about behavioral change, if I wanted to change my own behavior, what is it that I as a human being do poorly that then is something that we can undo or do better? And that's what your book's about. What's the problem? Set up the problem. What's the behavioral change problem? Well, one, I would say you probably aren't doing anything poorly. I think that is one of the assumptions and mythbusters that we want to break with this book. This isn't about good or bad. This is about we all function and have a core set of principles that drives our behavior. 
I always say, we're kind of wired in some situations to resist change. We get very comfortable on the ways that we do things, and change is hard. There's a lot of factors that even when we have lots of intention, there's a lot of factors that go into making that change hard. And we see that in healthcare, right? I admire and I'm inspired by many stakeholders, patients that have intense, intent to stay super healthy, physicians and their motivation and their intent to do the best job ever. But what happens is that human nature takes over and we get pulled in directions that are counter to what we're intending to do. For example, we make our decisions really, really quickly beyond our even conscious awareness where they're just at a super gut level. Well, everybody does that. And there's a reason. It's because we can only process so much information at one time. So we may be reacting to things at a real gut level that we aren't even aware of that are conflicting with our intentions. And really, the book was designed so we have nine principles that help explain what maybe is conflicting with those intentions and wanting to change, and then what can be done about it. Do we want to talk through those nine ones, or are there one or two that you think are the most important ones that, especially as we think of pharma companies or healthcare companies, that we need to be aware of? First of all, it was a feat to even call it down to nine and working with Leah and really saying, okay, what's really digestible? So this is kind of hard. From my perspective, if I was going to try to get across three things to healthcare communicators, one is our fundamental core psychological needs drive us. We have fundamental needs that have to be met. And what we need to be doing as healthcare communicators is setting up an experience that meets those needs. I actually had a really good experience and it just hit me out of the blue on Saturday. I took my car in to be serviced. And that can be a very stressful situation because I don't know anything about my car. And, you know, I'm always kind of wondering, what are they going to find? Well, at the end of the service, what I got was I got a text message, which was a video of the mechanic showing me my whole car inspection, showing me exactly what objective measures my tires had this much tread in a super transparent way then said, call us and let's discuss what needs to be done. Call mechanic and the person answered the phone and said, you got the video. What do you think about what you heard? And I was like, oh my gosh, that actually satisfies my need, my fundamental need to be treated fairly. I want transparency. What is going on? So that was a really good customer example of meeting a core psychological need. Another principle that I think I talk a lot with our healthcare communicators about is motivation is fleeting. I think that when we talk to our customers and we're trying to inspire them, we think we can put kind of a one-hit wonder out there and expect that to be really sticky in the long run. Well, the fact of the matter is we have a really leaky bucket of motivation. Motivation very quickly fades. And you know what? It's nothing bad, right? It's not about this bad thing. It's just human nature that unless it's super immediate and super dangerous, we tend to discount it. And there's lots of reasons why we do that. And so I always say we need a plan not just for that one hit wonder and spark an initial sense of motivation. What are we going to do to continually to feed that leaky bucket? And then probably the third one I talk a lot about 
we don't communicate our market to a blank slate. Our customers, they're bringing the past with them. How they interact with a brand, how they're perceiving what we're saying is from a lens of what their past experience is. So we need to keep that in mind. And so a lot of things about our past experience, do we have past experience with a medication that we're bringing forth? Do we have past experience that's culturally dictated what illness means to me or what illness means to my family? We really need to understand that that is something we have to work within and not ignore. So we've heard some of the needs that we have to meet. And there are these three points that you brought up. If we're a pharma company, and that's what many of the listeners here are pharma companies, what do we then do with this information? And how does the book help get someone to do something differently? So Kathleen mentioned that it has nine principles of things that we have in common these kind of core underlying behavioral principles. And each one has a worksheet with it that helps you figure out as a pharmaceutical leader how you're going to use this to create change. One of the things that we focused on is that context is critical to how you create a new habit. The three big things for how you create a new habit are what is the cue in your everyday life? What cues up that habit? What's the routine that you create that helps make that habit truly a habit? And then finally, what's the reward that you get for it? This is an unfortunate example that I'll share from my real life. But if I come home every day after work and I enjoy a quick glass of wine and talk to my husband about what my day was like, that becomes a habit. Like you come home, you pour a glass of wine, you enjoy a conversation. So the cue there is I just walk in the door. I've finished my day of work. The habit is the glass of wine and the reward Hmm. Well, what is the reward? And that's what I think we're partnering with our pharmaceutical companies to figure out. Is the reward the opportunity to have unstructured time? Is the reward the opportunity to download things you're thinking about from the day? Is the reward the slight buzz from the glass of wine? That's the question. And once you start to figure out what that is, then you start to figure out how to work with your stakeholder or your customer or your person about how to create a new habit. Some of the things we're talking to pharma companies about, and Kathleen has created programs around, are how you structure a new routine that gives you a similar reward. How do I figure out a program that is really easy to work into my day-to-day life that feels good, that gives me a great response, and that meets that overall healthcare goal? And that can be something like setting a very short-term goal. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, and at the moment that I have my coffee, I'm also going to take this medication. Or it can be a longer-term moment where you're really laying out a plan for yourself of how you want to meet the healthcare intentions that you're setting for your life. In listening to this, it sounded as though if I'm a pharma company, I'm trying to figure out what goals I really want or what actions I really want out of a patient to help their needs and to help mine. The two that come to mind are adherence to drugs that have already been prescribed by a doctor. You want them to adhere to them, which has a couple of different flavors. One is use it as directed, and the other one is refill when you need it. And then the second one in large terms is be more healthy. If you have a patient that's more healthy, then medications work better, et cetera. Patients live longer, all of those things, and potentially don't need to move, say, from one kind of diabetes drug to something like an insulin that comes because the disease progressed. So a pharma company has every reason to want a patient to be healthy if the drug is a chronic drug that if you get too unhealthy, then you're going to move off of that. Have I bounded the problem where it matters to a pharma company 
or am I missing some big category? No, I think that there's other applications, but I think you're right on as far as patient behavior. And I think that makes a lot of sense. It could be even earlier, right? So one of the things that we encounter a lot as a marketing problem is when there's something maybe better that's coming out on the market, how do you get people who are in the status quo and just in the routine and accepting less desirable side effects or routes of administration or just some inconvenience? How do you kind of shake that up? So one of the principles is that as human beings, we constantly redefine normal. We just kind of get complacent. And maybe what we need to do is how do you get that in front of them and actually create a sense of dissatisfaction and that yearning to say, you know what, I do want to consider a new medication. So it can be up the sales funnel as well as adherence, like you said. Kathleen has an example that she talks about where you think about how you redefine normal. Oh, hey, I wake up every day and I curl up. That's my new normal. Oh my gosh, that's not, that shouldn't be right. So how do we help people really get a clear look at what they should accept for their health versus what they can accept for their health? But I would overall say that if you think about how we wrote the book, we divided it into two parts. The first is the nine principles of influence. And each of those reveal some core human truths that we have in common. And those truths can either act as barriers that wire us to like truly resist healthcare change, but they also have the power to activate change. So for each of the nine principles, we work to show pharmaceutical leaders how to make that switch from resistance to activation. And the second part of the book is really different. I'm kind of calling it the behavioral science of segmentation. It focuses on those things that make us different. So in our omni-channel era, we've tried to identify very specific actionable ways to segment communications and experiences that get closer and closer to each person's personal source of identity and motivation. We show three specific models that you can use in digital engagements to move from where we are as an industry, moving from responding to people's actions. We want to move from that to customizing by what each person's true sense of motivation is and, and really responding to that action. And how do you know that? Oh, like 25 years of behavioral science. Um, I'm kidding a little bit, but some of the people in our behavioral science team have been part of an incredible longevity of research and science and understanding what motivates people. So, for example, one of the three segmentation methods you'll see in the book is called Achiever Defender. So, Jeff Bradshaw and our team is part of this research, trying to figure out, are you more motivated by cues as an achiever or a defender? So, the people who are motivated by the achieving persona, they're motivated by reaching goals, by ascending to a new level. People who are motivated more by the defender persona are motivated by protecting what they have by meeting their obligations. Both are incredibly positive and very useful ways of being motivated, but they're really different. For example, let's say you're a defender and I give you a message that says something like, hey, talk to your doctor, live your best life. It's completely meaningless to you. It's something that doesn't actually connect with your core inner sources of motivation. So based on putting out emails, digital advertisements, et cetera, have different kinds of messages, we can see what you click on, what you interact with, and be able to further and further customize messages to connect with those core sources of motivation that you have. And again, help you meet those healthcare goals you've already set for yourself. 
there is absolutely no manipulation involved. You want something for yourself. I want to help you get there. So how do I continue to give you messages that get you closer and closer to be able to achieve that? It's a choose your own adventure. If you're a defender, turn to page five. If you're, you said the other one was an achiever. (laughs) Achiever, yeah. I know what an achiever is as a general term. A defender, I'm not quite so sure. What's that? So if you were to look out in the consumer world, if you were to Google the science, it's called promoter, preventer. We've customized it for healthcare with achiever, defender. And defender just means you are motivated by things that help you protect what you have. So you want to be able to meet your obligations. You want to be able to protect the things that are important to you. Kathleen's probably thinking of so many better words than me right now. No, Um, not at all. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) But those are things that motivate you. And you can imagine if you are sitting there as a healthcare consumer and thinking about whether you want to do a preventative test or you want to go through a screening or you want to take a medication, there's really a big difference between the mindset that is, I want to protect what I have. And the mindset is that I want to be able to achieve everything I can possibly imagine. And so we just try to create messages and programs that help people connect with that inner source of motivation. To kind of layer, as a communication application, you know, we always talk about what the right message at the right time. And this is about the right message framing. Because the thing is, the science actually shows that, yeah, it's like the motivation, what's going to get somebody to spark that motivation, like Leah said. It's also about the depth that people process the information. As communicators, we're always trying to find what's the sticky message? What's going to make this sticky? And what we know is promoters, they're kind of big picture. They don't want all the details, much more aspirational. And how they process information is very different than the defender, where it's much more about I need all the details. I want to dig deep. Oh, and the other thing is, who is the messenger is really going to matter to me. I don't want something abstract. I don't want just to read it in an abstract journal or even maybe for a physician, maybe I don't necessarily want to hear it from a KOL. I want to hear it from somebody just like me that it's much closer and much more relevant to my experience. So there's both sides to that. And so you can see as we're communicating and we have this opportunity to tailor and reframe important messages that we want to get across, how something like this could be really helpful. We've talked a lot about what pharma companies can do, but everybody listening to this is a patient or another healthcare provider. Everyone listening has habits that they want to change. They have things that we resist changing or behaviors that we wish to improve. What's one thing you can tell us on how science tells us that we can do better? based on the principles in the book, recognize that it is absolutely normal that your motivation will wax and wane. And in fact, I call it the willpower myth because what I find is so many people don't plan for those times where it's like you just don't feel like doing something. We'll have an action plan on, first of all, so you know it's normal and you can forgive yourself and then you can get back on track regularly. I would tell a colleague, I would tell a friend, you need to plan for those ups and downs, and there is no such thing as a smooth behavior change journey. It's going to be varied. And I think that when you embrace that, the book talks about all the principles of why that is the case, but I think just knowing that and planning for and planning for that resilience that Leah talked about earlier, I think can be really powerful. I can't wait to read the book myself. Why We Resist, looking forward to it. 
Leah Householder, Kathleen Starr, thanks so much for joining me again on the Zinio Self Podcast. Thank you. I can't wait to get the book in your hands. Definitely be one of our pre-sale readers. Oh, I'm holding you to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you so much. I'm really excited about getting this in people's hands and would love to hear about your behavior change challenge and how it helped you. Why We Resist is available on Amazon and essentially anywhere that you can get books. Look for it by Leah Householder, Kathleen Starr, and all proceeds will benefit the Starr Coalition, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating meaningful change in the field of mental health. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have comments, suggestions, questions, or if you just want to talk through a particular challenge that you're having at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at Where consultants, that's what we do.